Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is another very special uh, no live sports during quarantine edition. I am Andy Barons coming to you from Chicago, and I am joined by Dalton Del Don, as always, coming to you from California. Dalton, what's up? Hanging in there? Yeah, hanging in there is a good way of putting it. You know, going a little stir crazy with the kids and whatnot. But um, yeah, I don't know. How about yourself, Andy? How are you doing? How's, how's the fam? Um, I'm good. Family's good. We're all uh, reasonably safe and seemingly healthy right now. Um, did you, you're a big TV guy. Have you, have you watched like the rest of the country? Have you watched Tiger King? Have you seen it? Yes, I did. I uh, actually binged that in the background when we did the League of Leagues draft. So I didn't pay, like, I almost feels like I deserve the second viewing because of all the, the crazy stories and everything has come since. But uh, yeah, it's pretty wild, right? Um, it's I like I just didn't know. I just did not know that this subculture of American life yeah. existed. <laughs> um, for people who don't know, Dalton's family actually has a huge compound. They have an exotic zoo. They have all kinds of crazy cats and stuff like that. You're part of it. Like you live in it, right? Yeah, I was trying to keep that quiet, but it put me on blast. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, Joe Exotic is my uncle for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing and so well, so well paced. Like the sh- the stuff that comes out on uh, uh, the the other zookeepers, uh, it, oh, it yeah, is just crazy. equally shocking, yeah. and the the pacing of it is just it's incredible. To the I don't know four or five people who haven't seen it in America, like I, I just I'm I'm gonna watch it again. Like my daughter started watching it, and I'm definitely gonna watch it with her. Yeah, it's, no, I mean murder murder cases have been reopened. Ninety four million dollar lawsuits have been filed just because of the ramifications of this seven episode doc. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. Definitely a, a fun binge now. Uh, with not a lot going on, man. This is uh, what's the latest? What are we thinking here? Cubans now definitely admitted he, he was uh, optimistic when the NBA is going to start. Uh, now maybe what do you think? Like a single city starting July first, all in Vegas. What, what, where where do we stand here with, with who? Yeah, we have a we have like a lot of I don't know if they're competing takes exactly. I was I finally got around to listening to Steve Kerr on Howard Beck's podcast, which is great, and Kerr was super dismissive of the idea that uh, the regular season would return at all. He seemed. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, re- really doubtful of that. Um, as you as you mentioned, Mark Cuban, I think it was on Get Up, really backtracked from his "Hey, we might be coming back in May" thing. And Austin Rivers went on IG and and rolled out this whole apparent proposal that involves the NBA reconvening in Vegas. And I like it. It certainly makes sense as an idea that would have been floated because right, you could you could structure it like summer league. I guess you could have. Not, not only does the Thomas and Mack Center have multiple courts, but you have multiple games going on at once. You have multiple games each day. Um, and if you don't ha- if you're not packing the building with fans, um, it like it seems doable. They would obviously have to have. Te- I don't know. Do you have daily testing for the virus? This is a whole new world. Who knows? But it seemed well thought out and plausible that something like that could happen. I would still be I'm still going to be a little surprised. Like, I guess I, you know what? I guess I kind of lean where where uh, Coach Kerr was leaning, which is that it's just really hard to fire up the regular season. Like I can imagine getting some practice time in and then just and hey, it would be a disappointment because we were headed for like a fun race for the eighth uh, playoff seed, whatever in the West. But the eighth playoff seed wasn't beating the Lakers. So I can definitely see us skipping right ahead to the right ahead to the postseason. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me at all. And maybe just maybe just. Maybe you've got 16 teams instead of the entire league in Las Vegas uh, and and perhaps a condensed first round. I'm still yeah. I'm still personally of the opinion that I would like to avoid the first round entirely. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know how totally necessary it is. I know there's some fun series in there, but I, I feel like we have a really strong top four in each conference. And I'd be perfectly happy if they would just roll with that. But yeah, some some sort of reconvened uh, end of season or or playoffs in uh, one centralized location seems to be the way the league is leaning. Yeah, I agree. It seems like the best case scenario is just jumping directly to the postseason with uh, best of five right away. Um, that Thomas Mack Center would seemingly be a, a great fit. I've been to Summer League a few times. They have two courts right there to set up. Well, um, one of them is a really small gym. One of them is like a very is like small. a nice high school gym, and then the other yeah. one's a damn arena. So it's like, you know, it's quite a You don't need any fans then that's the thing i know it's going to be weird weird aesthetic but if there's no fans that, that won't matter but you're right one of those is super small which is cool that we're there in summer league because you're sitting next to gms like just everyone's yeah. on top of each other um so so I, i'm glad you watched the Kerr or sorry listen to the Kerr podcast because i saw the quotes and i was just curious if he meant the regular season more so 
he's been told because teams like the Warriors who are out of it for sure have no chance, but maybe there's some teams that it still mattered would play. But he made it seem like pretty much for the league, you're saying there's no, no you know, he's pretty, he's pretty cautious in the fact of the, of the regular season restarting. Like if I recall correctly, they didn't they didn't get into incredible detail on it. He was just he was just pretty dismissive of the idea that the regular season would continue like just sort of right off the bat. So I I forget if the question that preceded it had anything to do with what, you know, the the balance, what was the purpose of the balance of the regular season for his team or whatever. And he just he just seemed to dismiss out of hand the idea that uh, that we would be coming back for any sort of regular season, which makes I don't know. makes It makes a lot of intuitive sense to me. I mean, I, I feel like the the true contenders are are pretty well locked in. And again, I you know, I don't think anybody was super interested in that Eastern Conference race for the eighth seed, right? Currently held, I believe, by the Magic. Um, like I, I don't know. Nobody nobody was going to threaten Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs in the East. And honestly, nobody's going to threaten the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs in the West. So uh, I, I don't I don't really view that as a I don't really view that as any sort of stumbling block. Like my personal feeling is that they should just, they should just call it in the regular season and we should head to the playoffs whenever, whenever that's a safe thing to do. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, entering such an unknown and so many questions remain just in general, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'd lo- I like the, the optimism of, of just hearing, you know, sports restarting and a hundred game plan in baseball. It means that it's possible yeah. it could happen, you know? So any news in that front, I'll, I'll take at this point. Scott, uh, Scott and I, I, w- I was uh, his uh, guest on the baseball podcast this week, which was which was super fun. Um, I had a little technical screw up that almost uh, scudded the entire podcast, but that's I don't believe but that's part of the course. No way, I don't. I don't believe it. No. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, this man. is your shocked face, right? Yeah. Um, but we had a, we had a, actually a really fun conversation about what a hundred game or a ninety game or an eighty game season would look like in baseball and the kind of crazy stuff that you might see in a small sample. Um, I had I had floated the idea of the I don't even know who the hitter would be, but I floated the idea of the possibility of a of a 400 season, which I'm kind of obsessed with right now because it almost happened during the the last uh, work stoppage when Tony Gwynn was was like this oh, close. Yeah. He was so close. Um, so that's a fun thought. Anyway, just the the notion of talking about sports returning in any form super fun we got the nfl and the comments coming up. from the nba specifically is like you know our nation needs sports right now so i mean it does seem like they're you know they they're they're not given they have not given up yet that that much is clear also just feels like given the given the size of nba rosters it like it is the n- none of this is going to be easy but it feels like that would be the sport that would be the easiest to restart without fans in the building right you've only got yeah. you know you've only got 10 on the court at one time you've only got 13 on a bench at one time plus coaches like you don't need that many people under one roof it's probably still 40 50 people but um but it but it's not you know like an entire nfl sideline it's not like you know 25 to a side plus coaches in baseball right like it's just a it's just a smaller group so that seems easier to to orchestrate right makes sense we've also right, Andy, I, I, what, like well we should mention we've had um you know all the all the bad news of the last two weeks about uh, players around the league contracting uh, COVID nineteen. Um, we've gotten pretty good reports on on pretty much everyone who I believe had contracted it, or at least all the the published reports. Um, it sounds like Gobert and Mitchell are doing fine. Sounds like Marcus Smart uh, is clear to the virus. I believe Kevin Durant is as well. Uh, ESPN's Doris Burke uh, apparently contracted it, which is which is terrifying doris is like as good as it gets at what she does um but it sounds like she's clear of it as well so it seems like all the cases that we've had around the nba have have broken the right way yeah i listen i listened to doris on the Woj pod and she said her, her temperature never even reached 100 which is uh which is crazy but yes all the good news right before we start recording to the nuggets players and staff were simply yeah. free after quarantine as well too so yeah no great point Andy. yes no there's good news on that front as well the uh, the the fun stuff that I want to get to here um, is basically all built off of other people's content because what the hell else are we going <laughs> to sure. do? Um, yeah. uh, like we gotta we gotta talk some Michael Jordan for a couple of different reasons, um, potentially three different reasons, uh, and I think we have to start actually with uh, you, yeah, everybody's got a bracket, everybody's got like a phony bracket game, right? Like it's it's easy content, it's um, fun to develop. I can't. I, I can't promise that I won't eventually like produce some sort of gimmicky bracket thing because it's like it's like all we have to do right now as we as we try to develop content in a sportsless world. Um, but ESPN did this thing that was like the all time college basketball goat. 
right? Like, um, and their final four could not, and no fault of their own. I feel like they built a really nice bracket, but then you put it in the hands of randos voting uh, on the web and you're just going to get some terrible results, right? And so the winner of the all-time college basketball GOAT bracket, like I think it was a full field of 64 too, um, was one-time champion, one-time Naismith winner, Michael Jordan. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm not a huge college guy, and a lot of um, you know this far more than me. I was happy to see Jimmer Fredette was on, would actually made one of those. Uh, that was pretty yeah. funny. His collegiate career was was is underrated, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jordan did not play enough, right? I mean, the one that my memory, you know, before I, I even looked at the bracket was Melo had just an awesome freshman year, and he right. was what a four or five seed. But um, honestly, I don't. I mean, I don't follow college that much, and you're you're much much older than me, so you would know like Luel Sanders <laughs> and all that. So so I, I'm gonna defer to you andy on, on this so but i am i mean i mean jordan obviously because of the votes but i mean he's not the best college basketball player ever right it, honestly the the worst thing about the bracket again not not espn's fault at all the content was great um the voting was highly suspect um like Shaq was in the final four um Shaq with his no college banners right <laughs> Like, like, just so, yes, he was a he was a ridiculous player in college. He was a, an impossible defensive assignment in college. Um, he he was he was clearly not the the all time college player. Um, that like that's an incredible result. I I actually think there's a pretty clear final four because um, they to their also to their everlasting credit they they involved the women's game in it as well. Right. I, right. I think your yeah. I think your final four almost. Like, it's really difficult for me to make an argument for anybody other than um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then Lou Alcindor, um, Bill Walton, and, like, between those two, okay, between those two, um, Alcindor had uh, three college titles, Naismith Award, was always the most outstanding player in the tournament, Walton had two titles, I think he might have won like three college player of the year awards. And didn't uh, he have some game where he went like 18 for 18 from the field in the final four or something insane? Like Walton is some classic game where he shot a hundred percent. Yeah. I so that, so that's the other thing. His, um, his actual, the actual performance of those two players in the biggest moments, in the biggest games, yeah. um, w- was otherworldly, right? It was, it was crazy. In fact, there's a, there's a great story about, um, about, uh, Jabbar when he was, a you know, Okay, I was not. I was not alive at this time. I am ancient, but I'm not so ancient that I remember a time when freshmen couldn't play college basketball, right? But that was the case when uh, when when he came to UCLA, and UCLA at that time was maybe the two time defending national champion. So they already had like their their varsity team, whatever you want to call it, was already the best team in the country, and they had a they had like a uh, I think a public scrimmage against the freshman team, and um. Jabbar's team like smacked him like maybe by 10 or 15 points, something like that. Right. Jabbar had like 31 and 18, some stupid line. Like he was, he was immediately as an ineligible freshman, one of the five best basketball players in the world. And he was certainly the best college basketball player of his day. So like, I I think if you were to have like a men's side of this thing, I don't know how there's an argument, maybe Leitner, maybe there's an argument for Leitner, but, but it's very difficult to argue for anybody other than Walton and, and Jabbar. That's fair. It looked like Larry Bird had a pretty good resume too, and that must have been sick. Him meeting Magic Johnson in the finals, but uh, right? I mean, Bird looked like he had pretty good, pretty good college numbers. Yeah. So, so Bird until the um, obviously the the classic final against Magic's team. Um, that was an undefeated team. He was a he was obviously a, just a stupid college player. By the way, like a note on that Indiana State team, and that was so. I am old enough that that some of my first memories of college basketball were like the excitement around that final four. And actually like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in Chicago. I've always been, obviously I've always lived around Chicago. Um, the, the local excitement was actually about the fact that DePaul was in that final four. Um, DePaul gave Indi- nobody cares about this, but DePaul gave Indiana state like a serious run in the final four. Like they, they, um, they lost by two. And I think that Indiana state team, and that was, that was Mark Aguirre's freshman year. He was a crazy good college player. Um, and I, I think they barely squeaked out a win against uh, against Sidney Moncrief's Arkansas team in the game before that too. So like it was it was tight just for Bird to get an undefeated team to the finals right. and then the classic game against Magic and all that. So like Bird in the Final Four is borderline legit. Although still I think I think Walton and Jabbar have to be the 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 two men that you have. And I don't know right. how like Cheryl Miller and and Brianna oh, yeah. Stewart don't get in 
on the women's side. Like Stewart's resume is is incredible. Um, won a won a title all four years. Uh, I, I think was the player of the year maybe three times. To- like just a just a sick resume. And then Cheryl Miller was just as good as it got. In her I, era. I'm old enough to remember Elaine make a joke on Seinfeld. Say I didn't know Cheryl Miller had a little brother who played basketball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she is like the, supposedly was the best uh, player ever right i mean obviously she didn't have the, the opportunity to to you know to 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 put up as, as the modern era but she was a baller right yeah as i re- as i recall that was about as close to like you know anybody in the women's game looking like 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 a Shaq or jordan level of dominance um on the court like she was that was just stupid that was that was unfair um i feel like candace parker had moments like that too but but not as consistently as uh, as miller did anyway like i think i think that's a pretty clear final four and i mean i'm never gonna like i'm never gonna go all in torching anybody's decision to vote michael jordan as the greatest anything but uh, maybe a little bit questionable um i believe in jordan's last game they lose to Indiana in the first or second round of the NCAA tournament, and he's outscored by both Steve Alford and Uwe Blob, which is maybe maybe that doesn't speak too well to Michael's usage as a collegiate player overall. Um, per, perhaps we can right. we, we can question Dean Smith's uh, usage of the best player who ever lived there a little bit, um, but also like it was just not a career that is on par with uh, with Jabbar and Walton. Yeah. Yeah, the iconic shot though is in everyone's head, and he's he's Jordan. I mean, yeah. So we want, I mean, we want to talk about Jordan. I mean, are they coming out with a doc? I mean, you want you want to go? Oh Jordan yeah, I do. Like, I want to talk about that documentary. Um, I'm you know. like, this was the easiest decision that any um that that any sports network could make, right? The idea of releasing your ten part docu series on Michael Jordan <laughs> and the the not it, like it's not the full dynasty Chicago Bulls it is like a bunch of insider footage i think they followed the team uh the 97 98 like the sixth title team i think they followed them basically all year and they have a bunch of uh previously unreleased footage of that squad which should just be mm. super fun um i don't like i don't know what are your memories of that team Man, just I was first of all, you call me a I know a bandwagon jumper, but uh, I was a huge Jordan <laughs> guy as a kid. Uh, I was that the first right, bandwagon that you ever jumped on? Right at the most impressionable. I was literally, you know, fourth grade and all that. Uh, I I remember crying during his first retirement, and yes, I live nowhere near Chicago, um, but I cared so much about Jordan. And you call me a bandwagon jumper, but I so I thought about this uh, before leading up to this. So and I, I vividly remember rooting Game One of the Finals against the Lakers when Paxson went nuts, and I was going crazy for Jordan. In so it's before he had won a title. I, I was all in on him. I I saved up all my money and watched when they uh, when the second version traveled to, to Oracle. I had like the last seats, but I saw Rodman, Pippen, and Jordan. Um, and uh, yeah, man. You know what? Also, what I was thinking about this is is. I didn't care as much because uh, the Coach game, you know, when, when he came in, uh, when Pippen got upset in between the Jordan retirement. Yeah. I remember reading that in the newspaper the next day, like forgetting that that game was even on. I didn't go nearly as nuts. <laughs> which So so I must have just been a Jordan guy. I remember the, the social media was a lot different back then. No one had cell phones or anything. And I was in the whatever, seventh grade, sixth grade. But um, so, yeah, I was a big, big Jordan guy. And uh, do you do you like to debate a Jordan versus LeBron, which lists threw at me at uh, my other podcast partner? And uh, I, I I don't have a good response to it. Um, like I, my my issue with it, um, and I obviously I'm going to side with Jordan, right? Um, that's a that's <laughs> a it's a relatively easy call for me. Um, he, he's the like I don't I don't know. Is it a hot take that I still think that Jordan in today's game would be? I don't know, a top three athlete in today's game. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like the game has advanced to the point that Michael Jordan would just be another guy. Um, I don't feel like Jordan would just be another all-star or anything like that. I think he would be an absolutely dominant scorer. And I think there are some, like, I feel like sometimes we go a little bit too far with the way the game is commonly played now and the, the reliance on threes and the, um, you know, declining importance of like post-play, things like that. Um, I, I think some of that is just a reflection of who the very best players in the world are right now. And there's no, there's no shack in today's game. And I don't know that there's any, like, I don't know, like Kevin Durant's pretty good in the mid range and Jordan was great in the mid range. I mean, like Michael Jordan in today's game in which you couldn't hand check. Um, hand checking, I was going to say, yeah, no, for sure. like, like that's such a, I don't, I don't know how you'd stop him. I like he, he would have seasons of 40 a game, like prime Michael Jordan, especially prime Michael Jordan. When, when the bulls weren't fully 
fleshed out yet, right? And so much was on him. I mean, if you told me that he'd average 42, 43 a game right now, like, yeah, that sounds right to me. And I'm sure he would have made the three a, a, a bigger weapon because anything that he wanted to turn into a weapon, he did, right? So, like, I'm going to lean Jordan there. And Jordan was, like, Jordan was also a great, like, he didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't his first instinct, but he was also a great passer. He's a great rebounder. And he was, um, at his very best, he was the best defensive player in the league as well. Um, so like just a, just a total checked all boxes sort of player, but I don't, but I like, I'm not going to, I would, I would never make that argument by saying anything negative about LeBron because I think LeBron is no worse than the second greatest player of all time. Um, and he's like, off the court he's one of the most incredible socially responsible athletes like great athletes of my lifetime so like i don't want to i don't want to trash lebron by having this argument i guess is how i feel so i'm such a first of all i want to say i'm again i'm such a jordan guy i I think that it was a game one of the orlando series after his retirement when he had the ball stolen from behind him was like the most upset i can remember like i was just throwing things across the room like my my mom was worried what's going on like i just throw a fan this is coming from someone you know, who's still barely recovered from the 49ers uh, Super Bowl. So I believe I have my pro- I have my problems. But uh, now, you know, until until life, you know, let you realize how silly sports are. But uh, but that one stuck out to me of all. So Jordan back in the day. Now, having said that, can, I'm going to counter you and say, isn't the biggest knock on, on Jordan being the greatest and over over LeBron? The fact that uh, the year before that, that team was one bad call. Uh, from making the finals and possibly being the favorite to win the finals when Jordan's retired. I mean, LeBron's uh, teammates are a joke, whereas Jordan plays baseball and they're this close. One bad call from making the finals. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't go so far as to say that LeBron's teammates are a joke. Like, I, like I don't think that he's Kevin Love and Kyrie them, were had. a joke. I don't, I don't think Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh were a joke. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the current <laughs> okay, version Dream of the team Lakers, wasn't a joke. You mean a dream like, team wasn't a joke? Okay, fair. Yeah, fair. like they're all they're all pretty top heavy. But when we like the teams with LeBron that were great but never won, um, were obviously a, a like a like a sort of motley collection of of players, right? Were, play. yeah. Some of them were kind of system fits around LeBron, but whatever. They didn't. They certainly didn't have players of that of that quality. I think. I think really the um, the near achievement of that of that Pippen led team uh, in what would that have been ninety four. Um, says a lot about like remember like course grant was still on that team um so grant is still on that team and I, like i could easily make a horace grant belongs in the hall of fame argument um I, th- I think he's one of the most severely underrated players and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was never the first or second option obviously a, an utterly dominant defensive player a super efficient offensive player he had i was just look i was I was just looking at this the other day. He had um, he had eight straight seasons of eight or more win shares with a with a peak of fourteen win shares. Like like that's really good. Like that's like great LeBron season good. Um, if you're putting up like 11, 14 win shares, like Grant was a really really good player, and putting more on Horace Grant's plate was was not a, a huge ask. Um, and it was still like that was, a, I mean the. The team that beat the Suns in the finals, I think, was like a 57-win team. It was the, you know, it was the least impressive record of any of the Bulls title teams. But the year before, they were like a they were like a 67-win team, and that was that. I, like, I could also make an argument that the Bulls team that beat the Blazers was actually the best Bulls team, and and may have given the 72 and 10 team a run for its money. Like, like Grant at his absolute physical best was incredible. And then you were getting Scotty at his absolute best as well. So like, that's a good, that's a really good, yeah, yeah. And you're getting, yeah, uh, hell, you're getting first year Tony Kukoc, who was a, was a total baller and, and lived for big moments. Right. So that's a good team. Um, and and I, I think it speaks a little bit more to, um, how underappreciated some of the, the better supporting players on, on those Bulls teams were than, uh, than it does, you know, Jordan, Jordan himself. Um, I, I feel like the, the thing that people might not be ready for, like I, there's obviously there's general excitement for this series. Um, I feel like what people are not going to be ready for is the fact that that team was just, that was not the 72 and 10 bulls team. That was not the 69 win bulls team that followed. Like it was, it was really good, but they were, um, they, they were getting like curb stomped in the first month of the season. Um, I think they started that year four and four and they may have been like eight and eight or eight and seven at one point. Um, and they were mad at each other 
and everybody was mad at Jerry Krause. And it was it was known. I mean, the, hell, the reason the series is called The Last Dance, I assume, is because that's what that's what Phil Jackson called the the year, basically leading up to it, because um, he knew he was gone. Um, Pippen basically knew he was gone via free agency. Everybody's mad at the general manager. Jordan's mad at the general manager. Um, Scotty Pippen had gotten injured in the playoffs the prior year, um, the first time they beat the Jazz. I think he actually got injured at maybe in the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. Um, and uh, and didn't get surgery for the injury until right before the start of the of, of that season. So he he goes all summer, doesn't get surgery, and then it's like October, and he's like, oh, I'm I'm getting foot surgery. Um, maybe it didn't go down exactly the way I'm playing it as if Scotty did something malicious there, but he didn't get surgery until right before the regular season. And that, and that couldn't, I mean, I like, we'll see, we'll see the behind the scenes footage, but that could not have sat well with, um, with Jordan, with any of the other prime players on that team. And it's just such a, you know, it's uh, like Rodman was every, every moment of Dennis Rodman's life is a weird moment in Dennis Rodman's life, but they've got like crazy personalities. And anyway, like the, I guess the greater point I want to make is that that team was just like on fumes and there were all these rivalries and all the, like it was, that was not like a a testament to team chemistry exactly. And it was, it was far from the best of the Bulls teams. All right. You're a Bulls guy. So I want to put you on the spot because one moment stands out to me during that six, the six title run that the Bulls were in the most serious jeopardy of losing. Which one stands out to you? There's the year that they went down 0-2 to New York, and then they had a weirdly long break, and then they came back and they and they steamrolled them. But um, it's the seven game series against uh, the Pacers in uh, yeah. in the final yeah. title year because yeah. they uh, it's a w- weird series, great series, like an all time series because they they're down down 13 in the second half. That was my answer. They're down 13 in the second half, if I'm not wrong. They're, and uh, I yeah, think they tra- I think they trailed in the fourth quarter. Like it was a back yeah. and forth yeah. fourth quarter um, in which. I I, I want to say that Kukoc and Kerr hit some of the biggest shots in that in that game. Like that was like a total team win, and it had been a great series. Um, there were awesome at, Pacers team. That team is legit. That Pacers team. Oh uh, man, I wonder if I can name it. It's so it's Reggie, it's Mark Jackson, it's Rick Smiths, it's the Davises, Dale and Antonio. Chris Mullen was maybe on that team. Wow. Um, Jalen wow. Rose probably on that team. Travis Best. On Travis the, like Best. it was a really yeah, good team, yeah. and all those guys yeah. could ball. Like all those guys. Like it wasn't. If Mullen was on that team, it, it was late stage Mullen, but he was still like I'm sure his minutes were really good. Like that was a good team. Um, and they, uh, there were, there might have been two games in that series that the Bulls just won in a in a total walk, and then every game in Indianapolis was close, and yeah. every damn one of them was won by the Pacers, and one of them included like a, like, I think like a push off Reggie Miller dagger three, um, right, like a like a like an all time moment from one of the best shooters who ever played. Like that, they were good. They were really really good. So that series will be in this doc. Then I wasn't sure what season it was. I thought it was the last one. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that okay, was the nice. that was the final. And then they no. uh, obviously they played a ton of close games against the the Jazz as well. And Carl Malone played out of his mind. So that like either one of those Jazz series could have gone a different way too. Yeah, how sick is it to be down three bucket? steel bucket to end oh. uh the, i mean it's just so ridiculous the final minute of game six of the finals to end his career at the bulls is just so ridiculous so ridiculous i love jordan i just happened to be in phoenix years later when uh the, his wizards were in town for a weekend i'm like oh, i'm going to this game hits literally a buzzer beater at, at the buzzer game winner down one i mean just so sick just the randomness of that i just probably at it, like man. at like 38 39 yes like, right right Right. Low key, even though even though the Wizards weren't anything and he was maybe a shadow of the player that he'd been, he still averaged 20 points per game as like a 39 and 40 year old and not on. It's not like he shot 38 percent either. I should bring it up right now. Like it's not like it wasn't prime Michael Jordan, obviously. But so his final year, ages 39 and 40, he shoots 44.5 percent from the field like that's not bad for a 40 year old man, right? He's shooting, shooting 82% from the line. He's shooting 45% from the floor. Um, he's giving you 20 and six and four. Like that's a pretty good age 40 season. Yeah. So, I mean, the debate between him and, and LeBron, whatever, obviously there's no answer, but his competitiveness is the thing with, with Jordan. I mean, it's, you see it saw it closest I'd say with Kobe, but uh, man, there's just not an athlete I've ever rooted for or watched uh, that I was more certain was going to win with the game on the line than Jordan. 
Yeah, that's I guess that's my my the thing that I'm I'm most looking forward to people's reaction to uh to this to this 10 part series just cuz I I know that the rest of the world thought that the Bulls winning was inevitable that right, season but like locally you did not feel that way at all because like the day-to-day coverage of that team was pretty much about how everybody hated everybody else. Like not there, it's not like there was friction between Phil and players, but there was friction between Phil and the GM and the GM and every player. And it was just so clear that everybody was going their separate ways at the end of the year. And, um, and by God they did. And like, you, like you just knew you were on the last run of that team. There wasn't much doubt about that. Like, how do you think they would have done that? Like, let's just say they all return. Not that it was ever going to happen because there was too much. um, There was too much just dislike in the air. But um, okay, give me your give me your ninety nine bulls if Jordan returns against the uh, against the Spurs. Of it would have been it would have been a really really good version of David Robinson, and it would have been first year Tim Duncan. Right. Yeah, that's the thing with Jordan Bulls. They always avoided the centers. The two years they were off with yeah. the two Akeem years. So in the finals, they never faced the, the big. And there you go right there, the Twin Towers, the Spurs. Uh, like I said, I would never bet, bet against Jordan to lose. So, I mean, I, I would pick the Bulls to have won that. But the interesting thing you say that is, obviously, I was younger too, but the social media was so different than I bet you nationally no one even knew about the infighting of Chicago at all. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's so different, so different, let alone Twitter. But I mean, back then it was way, way different. So probably no one even was aware of that. So yeah, man, I'm ne- I wouldn't have bet against Jordan for sure. He, why, why not? If he would have returned, he probably would have won again. I will say, like, locally, Kraus was made out to to be such a villain, and it's not like, like obviously, a lot of the blame for the breakup of that team probably deservedly um, lands on Jerry Kraus, but maybe a bit too much. Um, I super randomly once at a, at a September, it was definitely a late-season game at Wrigley Field, lost season for the Cubs, Nobody, um, you know, very few people in the stands at that time. And um, he's he's at that point, you know, he he was a baseball scout at various points in his career, in addition to being um, in addition to being an NBA GM. And he was he like he was in the stands um, and I like uh, with with nobody on either side of him. And and I happened to have bought the seat that was like maybe two away from him. Really? So he and I like he and I just chatted about not baseball or excuse me, not basketball um, for like, I don't know, four innings. He couldn't have been nicer. He was a super, he was really? a super okay. nice guy yeah. to me in person yeah. while he was obviously working for some team and had like real stuff to do. Um, he was just, he was totally nice, but I didn't have the I wasn't. I was really enjoying the conversation and I didn't want to blow it up right, by right. mentioning the bulls at all. So I just, so I just totally avoided it. Yeah, no, he liked to take credit. He wanted credit for, for assembling those teams for sure. But yeah, no, it sounded like from the outside that he was a big problem of the, of why they broke up ultimately. Yeah. The, the, like, obviously the, the, I don't know if famous is the right word for it, but the more well-known quote from, from Krauss was about how organizations win championships and it's not, you know, Like, I feel like what he meant by that was not look at me, was not like give me all the credit. I I feel like in context, he was making a point about I'm um, sorry, insulted your your guy, Kraus. My bad. I'm sorry. He's not even he's not even (laughs) my guy, because obviously, like the situation clearly could have been handled in such a way like he did not need to make an enemy of Scottie Pippen, who was who was clearly one of the most dominant players in the league at the time. That was just dumb. He tried like from the moment it was one of the great like coups of his entire scouting career was identifying scotty pippen and then he he tried to trade him for like five years you know there were so many deals on the table all of which would have been losing deals for the for the bulls some of them better than others but whatever like he he, like he made efforts to trade him constantly like plenty of missteps in the career of jerry kraus i just feel that what he probably meant by that organizations win championships thing was like I feel like he was trying to give a give a shout out to like trainers and he he was so not a look at me I'm the reason all this happened guy like I feel like he was really trying to to sort of boost the profile of all the people that you don't notice that are around the team every day I don't think that was whatever this is just I, I sound yeah. like a you're, like a you're, great you're biased because he's your uh, baseball drinking buddy but, uh, I, but I did it enough. I did really enjoy uh, him I enjoyed him personally yeah, yeah. I had a brief interaction with him and it was it was yeah. great it was awesome no I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna be checking out that MJ doc for sure when it comes out and uh, yeah that actual debate 
happened. If you guys should check out uh, on XM show and uh, on RotoWire, they posted the results. Uh, they did an all-time NBA draft with Dre and Nick Whalen. We had both of guests on this show before. And um, that was pretty fun. And, and obviously it went uh, MJ and LeBron. And Dre actually took LeBron first. Uh, yeah, and then it Erickson went like it went took, LeBron took MJ, MJ, which is yeah. which is shameful. And then and then so then Erickson A took Jordan, which you got to be happy with. But B, do you know this is the same man? I'd be remiss not to bring this up on XM earlier this week. They had a best all time sports movie draft, not just basketball movie draft. And Jeff Erickson of RotoWire had the number one pick, and he chose. Hoosiers with every sports oh, movie on the board. He took Andy Barron's oh, Hoosiers, the man oh, who not only talked trash about this movie last week on this very oh, podcast, but emails me and producer no. Ragu says, I rewatched, he even does homework, rewatched Hoosiers and said, yep, still trash. So Jeff Erickson, <laughs> number one pick of all sports movies, takes it first. So I had to, I, I buried the lead here uh, telling you this, but uh what do you think? I, what do you think, Andy? Like, I have a lot of thoughts on Hoosiers, and and um, there is some momentum to do a, a sort of breakout podcast on this film. So <laughs> I should save some of the ammunition for that. I just want to say that um, Coach Dale is the absolute most trash fictional coach of all time. The absolute <laughs> worst fictional coaching I've ever seen in my life. You don't like the prime example is that he is literally in the most important game of the season in the state finals um in the in the biggest moment he is designing a play for not Jimmy Chitwood okay that's all you need that's all this is really all you need to know about him the the everlasting message from that film should be that stars win championships and 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 the best player can overcome the worst coach like that is your takeaway from that film there is no other possible takeaway you know, I have not seen this since basketball camp, like like going to band <laughs> camp. Uh, I have not did not do the homework like you did. I should have. I remember the iconic scene. You know, every this measuring the ten foot is the same height here or whatever. That is Hoosiers, right? Um, so no, really, I, I really don't have much of a comment here. So I, I just appreciate you your hatred for it. I appreciate a good hatred, and then the fact that Jeff said it was number one of all, not just basketball of all sports. I thought that. Can I tell was- you my final bit of my final bit of Jordan news is that um, I. Like I, I took a couple hour break uh, uh, from working this week and watched the '88 All Star Game um, oh. <laughs> on NBA TV. Like, of if you're gonna you replay did. old yeah. All Star games, I am there for it. And NBA TV devoted at least one game, one one day to like just nothing but a, a series of old All Star games. And it like it was a trip for a lot of reasons. Obviously, J- Jordan is great. Um, Jordan wins the MVP that year. It's it's the year it was at Chicago Stadium, and he'd won the somewhat controversial dunk contest, whatever. Um, but it's a super fun game. The couple weird things about it, one of which is uh, unlike all-star games played over the last like 10 or 12 years, it is super competitive right up until like it's a, it was like a reversal of the way all-star games are played now. Like it was really competitive for 44 minutes. And then the final four minutes of the game when the lead was I mean, it was a manageable lead. It was like 10 or 12 or something like that. That's when the players decided that they would just go for ridiculous shots and they would go for ridiculous oops. And they would That's like funny. all funny. of the all of the all of the wacky stuff, all of the stuff that you would never, ever try in an NBA game got compressed into like the final three or four minutes. And all of a sudden, like Isaiah Thomas is trying to throw bounce pass alley oops to Wilkins and like crazy stuff is happening. But for for the, the bulk of the game, 42, 44 minutes. Um, guys are, guys are diving out of bounds or diving on the floor. They're, you know, people are, people are trying to get in passing lanes. People are like, there, there are all these strip steals. I think Jordan, I think Jordan's line to finish that game was 40 points, eight boards. He nearly had a quintuple five. He had, he had four blocks, four steals, um, like, like incredible five, game four yeah, assists. Yeah. He, he's the most, uh, yeah, four steals, four blocks, five fouls in fewer than 30 minutes. He's pretty active out there. That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. And then my other favorite thing about it is, is that it was the only all-star game that Danny Ainge ever played in. And he, yes. t- he, he took like a shot a minute. Like he, he played that like tip of the cap to you, sir. Cause he played that the way I would play. If I was only going to make one all-star game, he just took every damn shot as soon as he came into the game. Yeah, he fired up 11 shots and 19 minutes off the bench. Love how many it. How many players on the East shot more than 11 times? It had to be only Jordan and Wilkins. You're right. Correct. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody was shooting as much yeah. as Ainge. Like per minute, yeah. nobody was shooting as much as Ainge. Yeah, even incredible. Isaiah Thomas and Larry Bird, who started and saw 30 minutes, both shot eight and ten times. And, and Ainge fired up eleven uh, off the bench. That's funny. You know, like you know what occurred to me uh, watching that game and watching Bird because, like, kudos to Bird. He he spent basically the entire game just trying to get Michael the MVP. Um, like he had the whole notion of like it's his hometown. Let's you know let's serve it up to Michael. Like he was uh, you know super willing passer. Um, for for somebody who I mean I feel like one of the standard talking points on Larry Bird is obviously he was he was rarely the most athletic player on the floor, right? But the game. The game itself played so fast when when Bird was on the floor because like there, there's all like every offensive possession that Bird is involved in like they they skipped a step you know because he's such a smart passer and he made the right pass so much quicker than anybody else on the floor was going to make it um, so like Bird getting a rebound instead of it just becoming like a handoff to a point guard he was he was like freaking Kevin Love or Jokic Kevin out Love there like he could, yeah. he could throw he could throw like a three quarter court outlet pass with either hand um with perfect precision like he just he he was so fun to watch it was just it's weird how some guys are like that like again he's he's not like physically necessarily moving at a high rate of speed but the game is so much faster because he's in it yeah, so the aforementioned all-time draft that they held uh, after LeBron and Jordan went, Chris List took Larry Bird third, third overall. So yeah, and then, but mind you, the only guy who current players, current team with two guys went in this draft are the Warriors with Curry and Clay. Just saying, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Bird going a little that high? Um, was Anthony Davis not taken? Was no, he was actually taken. You're right. You're right. Okay, fine. It's okay. You're right. So we got it. We My got ID and LeBron. Davis and James. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, stand corrected. Like I'm not, I'm not going to disparage Larry Bird, who who definitely I I will say from a from a pure um, if I like if I were approaching it as a fantasy draft and I were in Lissa's spot in a in a four man draft I would feel pretty comfortable with the notion that I was going to get either Larry Bird or Kevin Durant in the second round so I don't think I'm taking Bird in the first right. Um, so Durant did I not come it. back. It went when Nalen went Shaq and Durant at the wheel. And then he came back and then List came back with Curry. So he wanted that. He wanted to spread the floor. You know, Dwayne Wade recently said, you know, Curry's biggest strength is not his shooting. It's his movement. So can you imagine the spacing with Bird and, and Curry? At least that's List's thought. And well, and Bird, I, I assume they I, I assume part of the conceit of this thing was that they would play 2020 roles, right? Like they would play they would play the game yeah, as it is played today. Game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bird would Bird would just be ruthless. Like if you right. like in a in an era when Larry Bird was encouraged to shoot like Larry Bird would have been obviously a 40 percent three point shooter and would have been encouraged to shoot 12 of them a game like he would have been. Yeah, no, I brought that up to listen. Like, I don't think he ever hit 100 threes in a game. He's like, no, that's totally just error. Don't worry about it. Like, he, yeah, he would have just gone crazy shooting them. So, so oh, he was great. he's better yeah. constructed yeah. for for today's game than he than he yeah. was for the for the era that he played in in which he was like you know at no point was he worse than like the second or third best player in the league right so uh he, he would have been it would have been great i like i have nothing bad to say about larry bird i it would have been very difficult for me to not go shack there um and yeah third, I, I don't yeah, know I is that you. like is that no, a hot take you. um is that a hot no take? he like, went I, fourth Nayland, Wayland took him fourth so i guess not no i hear you yeah so i mean even in today's modern i mean this is such such a I actually, I, I think who the all-time number three is is a much more interesting discussion than who's right. the all-time number one. Because, totally, like no Garnett was a decision there too. I mean, he was so good defensively, and he came all the way back to Dre, who that's who would have probably been his third pick. He went, he got LeBron and Garnett. But I love what what lists surrounded uh, Larry Bird, Curry, and James Harden with Wilt Chamberlain. That would be pretty fun uh, to, to to watch. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, so are we going to ask? But yeah, what, are, what are we asking J- uh, James Harden to do there? Like he's not going to obviously he's not going to he's not going to dominate the ball as he does. Um, with the Rockets, are we are we just making Harden a, a shooter, a shooter, a, a, yeah, I guess. a stationary yeah, shooter? Is that what we're asking yeah. him to do? It's not the highest yeah, and best use of James Harden. I don't totally love that yeah. one. I know. No, it's interesting because like, yeah, you want to fit, fit the right pieces. Like uh, Pippen went, you know, Lay. I thought he'd be you know a great guy in this format. You don't want just all alpha scores, you know. I think a list backed up Dwayne Wade and and, and Kobe, and it's like, a little redundant with Harden, you know. So it's interesting trying to make all the pieces fit too. But Garnett, I do think has a legit argument for number three overall. Honestly, though, I, I do. I, I mean, Shaq. I guess they're both kind of similar as far as defense and and not having the outside range as we're accustomed to in today's game. Shaq, I here I'll bring this up. Um, I want to say that Shaq is number three all time in player efficiency rating. Um, oh, okay, it's not Shaq. It's an active player. So, like with active players, we haven't we haven't seen the full arc of their career, and he's probably going to lose a, 
you know, few ticks in terms of player efficiency as his, as his career plays out. But can you guess without looking who is number three all time in uh, player efficiency rating? No, I'm. Oh God, no, no, I'm bad. Three all time. Pl- players number two and three are current members of the Los Angeles Lakers. They are LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Jordan is number one, um, followed by LeBron and, and AD. Oh wow! Oh yeah, right I heard. Yeah. I heard he's up there. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Wow. And that that probably doesn't like that lead over Shaq and like Shaq and David Robinson and Wilt Chamberlain are really close behind him. Um, and it and it probably doesn't hold through the you know because we haven't seen the final. We haven't seen the end game for Anthony Davis, and that's never as good as the right. peak, obviously. Um, so maybe he slips a couple spots, but it's notable that he's that he's currently. That is pretty amazing. Uh, no, that is, that is that is wow. No, that's very. But then it's but then it's yeah. Shaq because Shaq at his best was like a sixty percent shooter from the floor. So like you can't tell me that that you know if Shaq were in the modern NBA that that teams wouldn't use him as they did then, which was just to relentlessly pound the ball to him and let him score right. at a 60% clip, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's a, you know, per hundred possessions or whatever, it's the same number of points as a guy who's shooting 40% from three, like at plus Shaq fouls you out. He fouls out all your bigs. Like, I don't know. I pr- I'm probably taking Shaq number three. At the same time though, you have the free throw problem with him too, though. I mean, that is a, that's, that's the counter, right? The, I mean, the, again, the flip side is that he's, yeah, like he's hitting 55, 60% from the line, but he's, but he's fouled know, out your entire, your, your whole team yeah, is in I foul know. trouble and they can't yeah. help. And they oh no, I, I wouldn't argue Shaq at three. No, I know. It's so, so good defensively too. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't argue that at all for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a fun, uh, fun exercise and you're taking Jordan one. I guess we learned that for sure. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitively no. learned that, but again, like, I don't know. It's a, I feel, I feel like Jordan and LeBron are in their own tier. I'll say that. Like if I were oh, doing, yeah, if, I, yeah. if I'm doing no fantasy question. rankings, they're the top tier and then it's a, it's a break. And, th- and then we get that next year. And that next year is probably, I don't know, that next year might be eight guys, something like that. Yeah. The er- uh, Erickson followed uh, Jordan with uh, Akeem, right? One pick before Garnett, which was a, you know, that's an interesting debate too, right there. Um, Akeem goes like four picks before Wilt. I actually thought, actually thought I'm looking at this draft right now and I thought Liss had the reach of the draft with Larry Bird in the first round and then the steal of the draft with Wilt in the th- Wilt in the third round is stupid third. right like I mean like I know we have to adjust for era we have to yeah. we, we have to say okay that uh, yeah Wilt was facing a lot of six eight dudes um, but he was Wilt big a, right he was like he's like 275 I think he was big I think Wilt 275 was, was seven big. foot yeah. Yeah. He, he had a he had a season in which he averaged 50 points and and like yeah. maybe the next season he averaged like forty five, and yeah. at, with like twenty five rebounds a game, right? Like I, yeah. I don't know, it, it, he's not going to be that good. But you can't tell me that I don't I don't know what you can ask of a guy in that era other than fifty a game. Fifty a game seems pretty good to me. No, that's a steal for sure, no question. Uh, another one that people really liked uh, late, with like what round six or so, was Tracy McGrady in this format. It seemed like a lot of people were kind of hoping he would slip through the cracks. And uh, who, who oh, Andre got Manu with his last pick, which I thought was interesting. That Any other feels like a, that yeah. feels like a bold pick. Um, yeah. Did Dre also took? Uh, uh, didn't he take Clay? Yep. Like like Clay, Clay is a Clay is a really good pick late in that draft because he's big enough to be a versatile defender. He's a really really good defender, and he's also no worse than like the second or third greatest shooter of all time, right? So like yeah. in a in a if your format is if if like the actual exercise is to think about how this team would really play if it were on the floor simultaneously, Clay is just a, just a perfect chess piece for this thing. Yeah, and then like the opposite of uh, McGrady, who people liked uh, the op- they didn't no one wanted, but his numbers are just so good as Malone. Like no, no one wanted to, to draft Carl Malone. It felt like I mean, if you look oh at it, man, that was the other boards, um, I mean, the other the other crazy thing about watching the '88 All Star Game is that Carl Malone is is for sure the second best player on the floor. Like, like interesting. Young really? Carl Malone okay. was frisky, and he was catching um like he was catching multiple oops. Um, it was like on the on the Western side, like that that team made made all of their runs with Carl Malone on the floor. Like Malone and and Elijah Wan together were were deadly. But man, young Carl Malone was good and and more athletic than um like we we think of like late stage carl malone as like kind of like super strong overpowering um nice baseline jumper and all that great score young carl malone could get up and down that's funny i i believe it i know malone malone was obviously awesome but man he just compiled a ton of stats too um 
Zion was an interesting pick by Jeff. Not sure if it's as crazy as his Hoosiers pick, but uh, definitely <laughs> some upside there. And uh, I like Waylon going with Luca late. Luca and Scotty Pippen, I like. And Kareem, he got awfully late too. So I, I, I like got it. And Chris Paul, the, the advanced stat. You look at like regularized, like adjust plus minus the dorky stats. Yeah. Like guys like Garnett and, and Chris Paul, those defensive players, man, they're they're you know really valuable. Did Zion didn't go ahead of Luca, did he? Uh, let's do the math. Seven. Yes, he did. Two picks ahead. I feel like Jeff took it two picks ahead. Not that anybody's going to be talking about this draft in five years, but I feel like I feel like that's not going to age well. One pick like ahead, Anthony Davis, mind you, too. Oh man, that, yeah, that yeah, might that's not, not going to age well at all. Yeah. It's not going to age yeah. well at. Boy, all. yeah, you're just you just on Erickson, the Hoosiers, and and his, <laughs> his draft here. It's, 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 we need to have him defend himself one of these days. The, we actually may like we we may need to have Erickson. On, on this on this pod to to I, I don't I don't know that the Hoosier stance can be defended honestly like, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm anxious to have the conversation yeah fair, <laughs> fair. all right let's end on a high note well, that was a pretty high note um That's anyway Jeff saying. Erickson read his stuff you should follow him he's great um of course we will be back next Thursday this is a fun show I don't I don't know that I can guarantee a like a, a full hour on Michael Jordan next week but uh who knows who knows which way we'll go we're not gonna have any live sports to talk about um, so again, we'll be back next Thursday. Please subscribe, review us on Apple Podcasts, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy, at Andy Barons, at Dalton Del Don. Um, football still going strong fantasy wise, by the way. We're doing a series this month on the, uh, I believe, on the players that you really need to know for the NFL draft. If I'm not mistaken, it's Liz Loza and Eric Edholm. You uh, could hardly find two uh, better voices to talk about it. So that's going to be really fun. Um, give a give a listen to the Yahoo Baseball podcast as well tonight. I want to give a shout out uh, to I'm sure there'll be some replay value here. I'm going to be on as part of Chris Harris's quarantine telethon uh the proceeds raised from this are going to support uh uh feeding america it's a great cause going to be a lot of fun there's going to be a lot of fantasy analysts on there should be really really fun you can check it out on harris's youtube channel um that is going to be it for this week thanks everybody thanks dalton we are out This podcast is brought to you by Yahoo Finance Premium. With advanced data and sophisticated tools to stay on top of the markets, you can take full control of your portfolio. Try it free at yahoofinance.com slash premium.